think the medicine of deep, intense human connection is one of the most potent things that we can be drinking down right now. If I'm trying to track down the root of what's happening is I think men are really disconnected from each other and from, and therefore themselves. And there, there's like a cultural piece missing in the masculine and among men of, of being in a deeper relationship with each other and what that really means and the changes that occur inside someone from having that, from having a group of people that really know you well and dive in with you regularly. And you also have a kick-ass time with other times, but um, by and large, men's primary friendships and emotional needs still are being met by their partners and the partnerships they're in. And that's um, part of the problem. And uh, things really start to change for them when they have other people that are behind them and with them. Their partnerships change and they change. And so I think it's, a, it's sort of an impoverishment of male community, not really having the modeling for what that looks like and feels like. We've got to recreate it again. It hasn't existed before, you know, in our lifetimes. Welcome to Masculine Mastery, a show dedicated to helping men open their hearts, rise into their greatness, and liberate their most alive, awakened, and authentic selves. My name is Christopher August, and I invite you to join me each week alongside some of today's most respected thought leaders, where we'll be diving deep into a wide range of topics to support the evolution of masculinity and the consciousness of this planet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Masculine Mastery Podcast. Today, I am featuring a conversation that I had with psychotherapist, experiential therapist, Michael Gay. Michael is an incredible man, super soft-spoken, but very powerful and hits straight to the point. And his wisdom, his message, his work speaks volumes and he has been in the realm of men's work for many years now and this conversation really uh, took a mind of its own in a way we spoke a lot about uh, the evolution of men's work what that looks like we spoke to where the true core wound of masculinity is and where that resides within the masculine consciousness we spoke about living a soul-based life and spirituality and the importance of that as a cornerstone to anybody's life and so much more. And Michael, again, for me, this was a really important conversation to have because of his credentials and because of the man of who he is and the work that he's done in the world. And I feel this is such an important conversation for this time that we're living in where there's more divide, there's more separation, there's more just chaos happening in the world. And in order for us as men to find our center, we need practical tools and wisdom to help us get there. And Michael lays out pretty much everything in this episode um, and some really simple ways we can begin to reconnect to who we are, to our true nature. And I'm super excited for you to check it out and listen to it. But before we get into the episode, just want to mention a few things. 
number one. You can probably hear my voice. I'm still struggling with a little bit of a cold. It's been a crazy week and a half. So apologies for that. Uh, Just my voice has been up and down, up and down. But anyways, what I was going to say is that on October 30th, 2022, that's in a few months from now, my brother Sean Graves and I, who was featured on episode two, we have come together and we are creating a retreat. And this is a seven-day men's retreat called Elemental. And it is in the elements. Uh, We are going to be staying at an off-grid retreat center, three-acre property in the big island of Hawaii. There's over 20 different fruit trees, incredible piece of land that's super activational and different, different bungalows in which the men will stay. And we are going to be hosting a number of workshops. We're going to be doing excursions, climbing onto the top of volcanoes, to waterfall hikes, to snorkeling with dolphins to doing deep, deep breath work, sound journeys, plant medicine. We have a full lineup. It's not going to be a boring week by any means. It's going to be a very powerful and transformational week. So any men that are feeling the call to create more community, to come together in brotherhood, because this is the medicine that we all need. A lot of times we walk the lone wolf path. We live in isolation. We live within all the fear that's within us, the shame, the doubt, the guilt. What happens when we gather with other men in a space and come together in this way? It creates Uh, an incredible vortex of healing, of connection, of expansion, where we all grow into our potential. And so this, this retreat is going to be very special and I'm really looking forward to it. If you want to know more and you want more information and to apply because we are only taking applications, we want to make sure that you're the right fit and that we're the right fit for you. Go to masculinemastery.co masculinemastery.co and underneath the tab experiences you'll see the elemental seven day retreat Alrighty, that is that and if you do like the podcast make sure to go to apple spotify subscribe follow rate whatever you got to do to help us get the word out there It's really appreciated and will help this podcast to continue to book incredible guests and and just keep the, the message strong and keep it going. So appreciate you guys. And I look forward to speaking with all of you on the flip side of this conversation. Talk to you in a bit. All right. We are back for another episode of the Masculine Mastery Podcast. And today I have a very special guest joining me. Um, his name is Michael Gay and he is a psychotherapist and somebody that I have deep reverence for and really tuned into a lot of his work and the work that he's done with different men's organizations and just incredible individuals around the world. And so today really jumping into the conversation, uh, around men's healing and men's work and what right now is, the core issue, one of the core issues that men are facing today that creates the alienation, the isolation, the divide, all the things that we're experiencing um, as men and what's happening in the world. So Michael, welcome, my brother. Christopher, it's great to be here, man. Such an honor to, to be walking alongside you and to be participating in this conversation, man. Couldn't be anything more important right now. 
Yes, I couldn't agree more. And and I feel like you are the best candidate to have this this sort of uh, deep dive in this conversation today. And so before we get into the actual you know theme that we kind of have set for today, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your practice, what sure. you've been up to, uh, what that's look, looked like for you? You bet, man. I think things all started uh, back in college and high school. Like I already knew that I wanted to get into uh, counseling, psychology. It was a real deficit. Um, I saw counseling and psychology stuff as sort of a missing piece um, in, in human existence. Like really, if we really understood human nature more deeply, that might change politics. It might change economics. It might change spirituality. Um, so many of the forms of those powerful forces that we have are shaped by um, a kind of impoverished understanding of humans and human nature and the importance of human relationship. So I really saw quote unquote psychology as at least an attempt to be that key to, to unlock um, another level of what a real integrated um, society and culture might look like. So it started back then. So I went to school and undergrad for, for psychology. And right after grad school, I jumped straight into experiential modes. So I worked in a wilderness therapy programs across the U.S., in the mountains and in the high desert. So mostly working with teenagers and young adults that were struggling with severe depression or eating disorders or really intense addictions. Um, and so those models and modalities allowed us to explore types of healing that um, often don't happen in the front country. They don't happen in the office. They don't happen in one hour sessions. Uh, they take a kind of familiarity with a person and an intimacy with the person and their issues and who they really are and how they live in the world to actually help out. And so I got really schooled in these experiential paradigms um, and that's carried over into the work I've done. I got really involved in, in men's work early on, got connected to Robert Bly and Robert Moore and Mal Domasome and John Lee and Martin Shaw and Danny Deardorff, a lot of these men that were carrying uh, first wave men's movement um, on their shoulders. Um, reclamation of myth and poetry and art and the soul of men and really having those conversations. So I got to be at some of the last conferences with those, those old folks um, like Robert Bly. And, um, and from there got really into uh, to other forms of healing. So I went back to grad school after the wilderness therapy work and uh, worked in addictions and recovery for many years and then started private practice a number of years ago in Boulder, Colorado. And so much of what I do with people is more experiential modes of, of therapy and counseling and a lot of group work and using the group as a place to really transform. Uh, that's one thing that I don't see being done out there very much is group somatic work. So that's kind of like where my specialization is, is in group somatic work. Um, the closest thing you see out in, in widespread community is like breath work, like group breath work, but you're still not doing it with each other, with each other's material. It's everybody in their own sovereign individual space. Um, but either way, I studied at the, the Gestalt Institute of the Rockies and the Gestalt Equine Institute of the Rockies um, with some extraordinary mentors and teachers, uh, in addition to going to grad school for three years at Naropa University in Boulder. So that's kind of my arc to some degree of training and being involved in men's work. And I've worked with a number of organizations. I was involved with Sacred Sons for a few years and an organization called K4 based out of California, working a lot with vets and first responders. Also an organization that's starting to get off the ground called Valor. And, um, and also with Trevor Boehm and the Uncivilized Nation. So lead some workshops and retreats with them several times a year. But that, So that's kind of the gig right now is a few workshops a year, private practice, and uh, 
working on these experiential modes of healing. Beautiful, brother. I mean, it sounds like you got your your plate full and obviously your experience and, and what you've done over these all of these years to, to bring you to where you are today. And I, I really um, enjoy hearing especially about the wilderness aspect of things because this is a conversation that I had with Darren Silver. I don't know if you know Darren. He's one of my best um, friends. Yeah. Darren, Darren's a great guy, um, really incredible individual. And he was on the podcast as well. And we're just talking about the importance of wilderness therapy and being out in the wilderness and what that does to a man. And so I, I support that in such a deep way. Um, and I can see the benefit of what that would do to an individual being exposed to the raw elements and bringing your practice into that. So that's beautiful. Big time, man. The wilderness makes us live in a way we were designed to live. And if you think about how humans evolved, it was always in a rhythm with the wild world. And for the benefits of, of industrialization and modern society, it has also put us out of step with a certain part of ourselves that, that comes back online quite quickly when we plug back into the wild. Mm. Yeah. And, and I can, I just from being in nature as much as I possibly can, just like tuning in with the rhythms of the mother earth of, of really stepping into that and what that does to the soul. And you mentioned something in you, when you were talking, it was like the soul of man and getting back to that. And that's the conversations I want to have is what does that look like? And obviously we can pull that apart, tear that apart and look at that. But that's, that's something I think is really important to speak to what is the soul of man and, and where, where, have we, where have we, uh, I don't want to say gone wrong, but where's the misstep been? Has it been the disconnection from nature? Is it, what is that, what does that look like for you? That's a great riddle. That's worth, um, it's so valuable a riddle that we should like really be careful not to give an answer to it because we should really, mm. you know, make it a, a, a way of living to be in that question. Um, so I wouldn't want to dishonor that question with giving an answer. Um, but I'll, I can respect that. Yeah, but I'll, I'll um, stir the pot with you on it. And I do think that it, so the, if the question were, you know, where did it shift? Where did it change? Um, that would re require a little bit of a look into human history and um, to unfolding events. But I think there's something about um, the lack of necessity. Like we did do an unthinkable thing. We separated ourselves from certain rhythms and relationships, um, at least in our perception, that, that we can't really separate ourselves from. Right now we're living uh, with an identity that's not in relationship with the planet in a way that we really have to be. And um, at, at some point we're in this like gap. I think it used to be a necessity for us to live in rhythm with the earth. And we're in this period where some of us can live out of step with the rhythm of the earth, but we will, if we don't do it voluntarily, uh, we will be taken back around to involuntarily being able to have to be back in touch with the rhythms of this earth. And it's much better for us to do that voluntarily than involuntarily. I could agree a hundred percent to that. So yeah. Yeah, no, and I appreciate you you mentioning that, and I feel that like that that sort of circadian rhythm, um, especially as men, you know these these you know something I also spoke with Darren about about sitting around the sacred fire, about mm -hmm. telling stories, about coming together in groups, and really that support of a community and what that actually means to a man, what it means to humanity, really, but 
to be together with other men in that space in the wilderness, just that it's just like cracking open the layers totally. to really the realness. Totally. This one of the sad things to me, Christopher, is that that used to be like a way of life that the campfire mm. or the, the dinner table or whatever the thing was that brought people together in that way was just how it was. Like there was always something bringing us together in that way. And now it's sort of a novel experience to sit around a fire with people. Maybe you do it once, a, you know, every four months or something, and it's a really big deal or it's a powerful time. Um, so I think that, that if we ask the question, how did it get derailed? It's, it's also helpful. And sometimes in my, in my background, uh, you don't even ask the question like, why did this go the wrong way? You just try to get back to what wholeness is like. So how do we get back to the souls of men? That's a, another great question. You know, how do we revive that? How do we resuscitate and get, get that um, reactivated, re-inspired? And there's something to me about coming together regularly with the same groups of people um, in some kind of way that creates the flow. Like there's something about fire that brings a different flow. And so we can get real creative with that. What are the ways of getting together that return us to a certain type of flow that doesn't exist in our modern life? It doesn't have to be fire, but there needs to be flow. Mm. Yeah, man. Again, agree. I uh, have a, a regular um, three times a month gathering with men where I live. And nice. there is that flow that happens, this, this communal aspect where these men, even when they're not together, are communicating and having conversations and just seeing the importance of that. And I know that's something that we definitely wanted to, to speak to as well as we're speaking to men's work and what the next evolution of that looks like. But before we get into that, um, you obviously in the beginning stated about your practice and everything that you're doing with psychotherapy, experiential therapy, all of that. What is the, what do you see to be one of the most common things that men are coming to you for? What are, what are men dealing with in this modern age that you see? Of course, I know it's probably sporadic and spread out and there's many different answers to that, but what do you see the most? I'd say the thing that people come in for is not the thing they say they come in for. You know, what sure. people come in for is a certain type. There's a lot of men that come in that are in a certain kind of survival mode that they see everything as like a potential drain to their energy. Um, they're in cycles in their partnerships or in their work life. Things just start to be a drain. There's a way of getting into doing that um, they've lost the joy. They've lost their own flow. Um, men deal with an incredible, they're much higher risk for suicide and for um, a really dark flavor of depression. Um, they're much less likely to initiate divorces and separations in their relationship. Often things are, are initiated by women, but men are living in relationships that they're very unhappy with, but they don't know what to do or how to do anything about it. Um, and so I would honestly say what they come in for, if I were to give my, if I'm trying to track down the root of what's happening is I think men are really disconnected from each other and from, and therefore themselves. You know, there, there's like a cultural piece missing in the masculine and among men of, of being in a deeper relationship with each other and what that really means and the changes that occur inside someone from having that, from having a group of people that really know you well and dive in with you regularly. And you also have a kick-ass time with other times, but um, by and large, men's primary friendships and emotional needs still are being met by their partners and the partnerships they're in. 
and that's um, part of the problem. And uh, things really start to change for them when they have other people that are behind them and with them. Their partnerships change and they change. And so I think it's a it's sort of an impoverishment of male community, not really having the modeling for what that looks like and feels like. We've got to recreate it again. It hasn't existed before, you know, in our lifetimes. Mm. And I could feel that at the heart. I can, I can feel it so powerfully because for so long, that was kind of a space that I existed in. It's like, you know, you, you, the classic saying of the lone wolf and living in isolation and, and how, how men just naturally go to that. And, you know, when you do have a group of two, three, four, five brothers that are somebody that you can call when you need them, that you can have a conversation with in the most vulnerable and open ways and not knowing that you're, you, someone's got your back, there is deep medicine in that. And, you know, I'll, I'll just share vulnerably and openly right now about kind of what I've been experiencing this past week. I was in a super dark place. I was physically very ill um, recovered now, but, uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, just fucking drained totally. completely. And literally like in 35 years of being on this planet, I've never had thoughts of suicide. Wow. Literally thoughts of suicide came into my being. The only thing that, and I, again, after integrating that and, and feeling into the shadow of what that was, I wasn't going to take my own life, but, you know, seeing my three-year-old son laying next to me as I'm having these thoughts, you know, it was a really dark place, but I was so thankful that I had, you know, just two of my brothers that I was able to reach out to and have really, really in-depth conversations about what I was experiencing. And, you know, there's so many men, like you said, suicide is one of, I mean, it's, I looked up the statistic. It was one male every 14.4 seconds in the U S 14.4 seconds. I'm like, what the fuck? It's all the time. What's going on? Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. It's an epidemic that we're not talking about. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story and being open. What was it about those connections that shifted things for you? If I could ask. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think just, the unconditional love that I felt from these individuals and my friends that I've, you know, called my friends for a decent amount of time now, um, men that are doing the work and just feeling seen and heard really like, and it wasn't like, Hey, you know, a lot of times in relationships, we as men like to fix things and Hey, this is what's wrong. This is what you need to do. But it wasn't any of that. I was like, Hey man, I got you. You know, I've been there. I know what it's like. You know, I, I feel you. Um, this is my experience and you know, Uh, how can I, how can I support you? You know, let me know, call me any hour. Let me know, you know, it was just feeling seen and heard in that way. It's just like, it's all I needed. Right. It's all I needed. Yeah. It's been the same for me in my life. When I get to those dark edges, like I need those people I can call in that space. And I think it really does something to have not had that for a very long period of time. You see this phenomenon in people who are children um, in, in abusive homes or families or situations. It's like, you don't know, what you don't know. You don't know that there's a different way of being. You don't know the things that you're missing out on. You don't know that the way it is, is actually a disservice to you. And I think that men don't know how much of a disservice it is to them to live without this kind of net and web. And I don't think there could be a more important task of building that web right now. Yeah, I, I I would have to say that's probably the most important thing. And I know for me, again, like I said, it's been instrumental and it sounds like for you as well. And, and all men need that. And there's there's 
men that come into the group that I, you know, facilitate. And it's a lot of times like, wow, like I was scared to come here. I was scared to step in the door and, and cause I didn't know what it would be like because of the sort of inferiority or the, the, the feeling of unsafety around other men. But once they step in, they're like, holy shit, this is, I've been, this is what I've been missing. This is the, this is what I needed all along. And it's right. been here. Right. Right. So the question comes up to me is like, how, how is that created? And what are the steps to getting mm. there? And what um, there's going to be stigmas against it, but there's something that was lost that has to be regained. So how do we rebuild that? And um, and so one thing that I talk a lot about is I think that there's something about the way that men learn that men need modeling. Like we kind of need oftentimes to see it or feel it in our presence in order to um, to unlock that capacity inside of us. And you'll see this. This is kind of reflected in a lot of the the practices on initiations out there is part of what initiation is, is giving a, a young man some modeling of a different way of being, of a different type of energy. Um, there's something about men that, that we need a tuning fork. We need something to like see it and feel it out in the world to wake something up. Some people, they just have a really strong deep self and they can really come online, sort of like the self-actualizing quality. But most men need to see it and feel it. And so think a big part of what we can do right now is to create spaces where that stuff is modeled just so people can experience it. Once you've experienced it, you know, everything changes. Like once you see it and feel it, you can't unsee it and unfeel it. Like it's a, it's a stark contrast. It's like subsisting on baseline food your whole life and then having a really nourishing meal. You're like, Oh shit, that's what food's supposed to be or can be like, that's what real connection can be. It, it changes everything. And then people will start to try to create it instinctively and look for it. So that's my hope is I want to be a part of giving men those experiences that are paradigm changes that, that give them a different imprint on what's possible um, that they can live and feel. It's not a concept. Like, I think it has to be felt. It has to hit the body. Um, it has to be in close. And that's where your somatic therapy comes into play. And, and you want to talk a little bit about the importance of that, that sort of body work and working with the body in that way, especially for men. What does that look like? Sure. You bet, man. Um, so the, the specific type of thing that I, there's things that I do in my private practice, and then there's things that we do in the group work. Um, but the experiential modes are kind of the ticket to me. We need things to help men I still struggle with this. I, th I think there's a culture in, in the masculine that lends itself to being a bit intellectual and heady. Like the logos has been a concept that's very powerful for men, like this ability to language things and articulate and number, quantify, bullet, you know, science. Like that, that has been something that has ordered our life and universe and stabilized us to a large degree. It stabilized certain parts of life, but it's destabilized other parts of life. So we have to kind of get out of that logos way of being out of that mind way of being and step back into the rest of who we are as a person, reclaim your spiritual self, your emotional self, your intuitive self, your primal self. And so um, the whole goal of experiential work is to get you in touch with energy inside your being and inside your body. Um, and, and the body is kind of like the Royal road. It's the thing that, that doesn't bullshit that much. Um, it's a good way to just get straight out of the mind and into something experiential. Um, so experiential approaches one-on-one -on -one, um, are a lot about 
finding, even if it's just a way of speaking, it's a way of speaking from uh, a direct experience inside you. Like instead of someone talking about how they're angry with a parent, they have to get in touch with that. And we'll set up these experiments in the uh, counseling space where they're speaking from that place. They have to put that stuff in their body. It has to animate them. It has to move through them. And, um, and there's something inherently health creating about doing that. Uh, it's very hard to say what it is or quantify. And that's why those modalities don't often make it in the mainstream treatments, but they're the things that work. Um, and so what happens was when we get in this group space, one of the things that is missing out there is this group somatic work. Um, so the closest, like I was saying, that we get to that is breath work. But what group uh, experiential work is like, um, there's a number of ways to do it. But the idea is that we just start to speak to it. Like you'd be basic, the basic setup is this, um, if you haven't experienced it out there as a listener before. But you might have a facilitator basically just speak to the things. Like there are intensities that live inside the being of men. An intensity of grief or anger or fear or pain or rage. Um, and those things, they're so big and so intense. They're too big for your meditation practice. They're too big for the therapy office one-on-one. There's bigness that lives inside of us. And if it doesn't move, it, it causes unhealth inside the person. And so we want to create a situation where that stuff has a place to come out and where, where everyone in a group of maybe 20 people is focused on one person at a time. And so if you just set this up and you organize the space, that stuff will start to flow. You don't have to do a whole lot more, but people will instinctively know that things that are locked inside their tissues just start to bubble up. And so there's a way of using the group to, to connect to whatever it is is flowing inside one man. Um, his anger, his grief, and to really be with him in that in a certain way and to let it flow in a bodily way, not talking about it so much. Um, it's a certain energy in that there's something about the focus of the entire group going towards that one man. There's something about men that, or people in general, but when we get seen, when the eyes and the attention turns towards us, um, all of those places in us that have been hungry for that kind of contact uh, as much as we wait, may deny it, come running to the forefront. Um, so we'll we'll let those things move. And there's a way that, you know, one man's grief will trigger another man's grief. Or the man in the middle that's doing the really intense anger work for himself is also kind of doing anger work for everybody on the outside that's supporting. So it almost has like a ceremonial feel to it, you know, like a ritual feel. It's, uh, it's a little bit like can get to the intensity of plant medicine. Um, but instead of everyone going through their own individual experience, the person in the middle, them going into their grief is what creates connection. And, and with men, I think we're so used to that really intense stuff inside of us. We hide it, we squirrel it away and hold it away almost unconsciously um, because there is a fear that if it comes out, it won't get held or it's going to get, uh, we'll get betrayed somehow or no one wants to hold it, but it brings people closer. And the type of closeness that happens in a group after people go through that together is unlike anything that most people have experienced up to that point in their adult life. I can't tell you how many times people are in the middle of that and they say, I've, I've never experienced a healing space like this ever. You know, I've worked with Tony Robbins. I've done all kinds of medicine work. Like I've never experienced anything like this. I think the medicine of deep, intense human connection is one of the most potent things that we can be drinking mm -hmm. down right now. Quote that. That is, uh, 
So true. And that's what it comes down to. And this is what I feel like I've, I've identified within my, even my own self, just always looking at myself, where, where is it that, that I feel that I need, what do I need? And what I need is what the community needs as well. And that, like you said, that is connection. And I think disconnection yeah. is the root of it all. It's being disconnected from self, from purpose, from planet, from others, from, from you name it disconnection and that reconnection that happens as you just described so eloquently and beautifully to the body and what that's like and what that process can be like for a very cathartic and therapeutic healing experience for a person that goes in. And I've witnessed this, I've been in the middle of those circles. So I I can attest to the power of that. It's profound. Right. Love it. And I don't know how we got away from it, but I do know that it's the ticket back. I really do. It's, it's one of the many things that brings us back. And so you go to these circles, you've experienced this work, you know, let's say you're a man listening to this and you know, what, what, what's next, you know, there's this, the group gathering, which is important first step. What is the, what is the second, the third, the fourth step? What do, what do we need to be doing that to evolve this into a deeper level? Yeah, clearly, like you said, first step is getting to a circle like that. Like you, you can't imagine what this is like until you've done it. Um, and so it's important that you go and you feel it and experience it. And I guess I would, if we zoom way out right now, I think that the trajectory men are on right now is the recreation of a community. Of like what is what does real thriving masculine community look like and feel like? And I don't think we've seen it before. Um, I think we see it in microcosms, um, but as a whole, there's, there's a, a deficit. And so right now, the first stage to creating it is creating pseudo communities. Um, and so that's creating um, men's organizations and experiences and weekend workshops or day-long workshops or, uh, you know, five-day immersions or something like that, where you go and you feel it and you live it yourself. So that's the first stage. And the second stage is probably staying connected to that group or those people um, for a while, like maybe for a couple of years. Like it takes years to, to rebuild and rewrite and fully inhabit these kinds of new relationships and new parts of yourself. And then the next stage would be really creating it where you live, um, creating a network of people that you can rely on, depend on, that you see, that are a part of your life, that you talk to weekly, that you get together with regularly a couple of times a month people that are really a part of your life um, in structured and unstructured ways. Your families hang out together. Your kids play together. You go on trips together. You get together around a fire twice a month. Um, you regularly, you're on a group text thread, like whatever it is um, that you are really woven in with other people where you live that are going to be part of your life for the next, you know, 20 plus years. Um, so that's, that's the long-term goal. And I think it'll have an emergent quality. Like who knows what it's going to look like and feel like. But I think the first stage clearly is these sort of pseudo communities, which is these organizations and um, people constellating around certain types of healing work um, or men's organizations. And just seeing which ones resonate with you. There's a, a lot of different ones and they all have a different feel and flavor and demographic. And so finding one that's resonant with you and getting involved for a while. Commit to a period of a couple of years of being involved. Don't just go to one event. Um, 
really let yourself be transformed. And that takes time. So that's what I would say is like, be willing to really be in it. Yeah, I think that's beautiful advice. And also something that, uh, yeah, I think the, the first step of actually stepping into these circles, and this is what I was speaking to earlier around, I think from my experience, and I'm just speaking from, from an I statement and my personal experience, but my initial hesitancy of stepping into a circle in the beginning, you know, I remember it's like, oh, someone invited me maybe once, twice, three, four times. It's like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need that. Yeah. But yeah. it's, uh, it's once you go and you experience it, you're like, oh, this is something that it, it, it almost, it, and, and I've seen this happen to more people than just myself, but it triggers this sort of remembrance because I feel like this sort of old, um, at least for me, when I relate to, for speaking to past lives or anything like that, that the native spirit really comes out in me and really feeling what that was like being in the community in, in ancient times and really being connected with the earth and being connected with nature, those, all those feelings come back into my body and it becomes an experiential experience for me when I am gathered with other men in, in these spaces. And so, yeah, it's, there's a lot of power behind that for sure. And I, again, yeah, first step and what you mentioned long-term, you mentioned something before and you said, this has never been done before. What is, what is the vision, I guess? And what do you, what do you see to what this could be in, in its, in its higher state? I think that, um, that there's like an immense flow of, uh, of presence between men, of creativity, of um, like really extending yourself for each other. Um, there's a there's a certain place inside the masculine heart and soul that isn't that accustomed to like living very close to the surface or living in a very accessible place. Um, I do watch women being better at this. Like the way that their friendships and groups and community gatherings go, it's so natural. Um, and, and it's growing in its momentum. For some reason, you know, we can discuss it's, it's just e easier. Um, there's a lot of things that they're overcoming too, but it's just a bit more natural and a bit more accessible. And I think there's something um, about uh, uh, men living from that place more in the day-to-day. And I, I couldn't say exactly what it's going to look like and feel like. I think that we'll have to see. But I do know that it involves a certain type of depth, a certain type of warmth, a certain type of fierceness, and a certain kind of softness. Um, so mm. I think first stage is just to wake up those places inside you and let's see what happens. I think there's an intelligence here that will kind of guide us. I, I think that we do have to follow the – that it's going to be a little bit more like the map is more something inside and emergent than a clear vision of what it looks like. And we're trying to like have the blueprint and we build towards the blueprint. Um, I think if we wake ourselves up mm. that we will naturally form those groups and those communities and those bonds, you know? So let's just help each other wake up as much as we can. Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, at the end of the day, I'm trying to like, you know, articulate like what the purpose of any of these conversations are about. And it's really just reconnecting men back to their true nature and, you know, you can, you can pull that sentence apart any way, but really just 
connecting to the remembrance of who you truly are, not the false self that we've in the facades that we've played, you know, for so long within ourselves. And I think getting back to that place, there's something that when we do hit that, you know, and of course this is layers of healing that happens to, to reach new places within the self. Yeah. Again, it's becomes a natural experience. The, the desire to want to come into community into groups are, are, is there naturally because that's, that's who we're meant to be and how we're designed to live. Totally. Let's, let's give the listeners like a trouble or at least the men listening, a troubling thought. Like I remember a time when you could have told me that I had a facade on in the way that I was connecting and I would have been like, eh, BS. This isn't a facade. This is who I am. It, it took me going through experiences of finding these deeper levels and layers of myself in order for me to really acknowledge and say, oh, that was a facade. That was a constructed identity. That was a coping mechanisms. That was um, survival instincts. That was, you know, partly being a nice guy and um, pleasing. Like, I didn't know it was a facade, you know? And I guess I just want to speak to the people out there um, that you may not know that that's, that's what's there, but be, try to start seeking the most real people you can find and see what happens. Just be close to them, do what they're doing, listen to their voices, read what they write, like try to be around them. Um, and I think that, that there's something in that. Again, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And so I can imagine people out there listening being like, nah, I don't have a facade. I know who the hell I am. Um, but yeah, the more intimacy you get into, the more you realize like the shapes you've taken um, more to adapt and that there's like, a, it's a lifelong process. There's just deeper and deeper versions of your own authenticity that want to come out. Yeah. And I think that's um, what, what you just stated about being around other people that, that are real and being, and having to be radically honest of yourself where you do hold sort of facades and, and this sort of the masks that we wear on a day-to-day basis. And even, I mean, like, I definitely, uh, definitely still very human on this, uh, on this plane and don't claim to have it all figured out and, and never will always a student and a teacher. But, you know, I'd say over the past, you know, 15, 20 years of diving into myself, there are still layers that I find. And I'm like, wow, yeah, this is, uh, what, what am I doing? Still wearing this? Let's, let's take this down more. How can I open my heart even more? And then like that, my, themes that I like speaking about and really what it comes down to is opening a closed heart. Cause through an open heart, you, you fully dissolve those layers and come into that pure authentic state that is you. And that is wanting to be expressed in the world and the uniqueness that you are, you know, what were the things that, that touched you into that more authentic place inside your heart? Mm, were there catalyzing events or relationships or experiences? Ideas. I would say catalyzing, I, I'm, of course, you know, we all have many experiences through our lives that are either, you know, can be extremely painful or traumatic. Sure. And, you know, a lot of people go there. For me, the biggest event that uh, transpired for me is when I left the corporate world in right. 2013. And I, I left and uh, moved to Africa for two years. Wow. And I lived in the middle of a, a small village in Songea, Tanzania. 
I was in the Peace Corps. And so I, I left my corporate job. I just finished my master's degree and I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not subscribing to this world anymore. And I just went full on, you know, no electricity, no modern amenities. And that, that experience, you know, you, you go into nature for a weekend or a week and, and you're, you know, tuned in. Uh-huh. Uh, two years of that, uh, and living in a primal, pretty primal way will really, uh, wake you up. Let's just put it that way. It's a very revolutionary time for me. Love that. And, uh, I mean, it sounds like following some sort of a call that you had put you in like a really radically different place that woke you up. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was the call of my soul to, to, to fulfill the values, the true values, the core values. And, and a lot of the work that I do with, with my clients is around values based approach, because when we understand what our values are, we start living radically different and the values that were really, really screaming through at that time and still do to this day is the core value of wanting to make a difference and wanting to be of service. And, you know, through that experience, we can dissect that anyway, but you know, I'm more indebted to the people there than I, you know, made an impact. Sure. I made an impact, but you know, you know how it goes, but yeah, I mean, just fulfilling that core value of helping others, of being there, of of freedom to, to, to live the way I want to live, to live in nature, to live more connected. So yeah, it was the call of a call of my soul. I love it, man. And I guess I, the reason I was asking, because for people that are listening, like, what's the compass bearing? How do you know what to do or what to follow? And just, you know, in your own way, your values or the, the call of the soul, like take the plunge, take the plunge. And for men, a lot of times it is their values that, that point the way. Do you find that in your work? I do. I do. I, and I, I love that about, you know, people might say otherwise, but in my experience, I find that men, there's something about a code or something like a structure or like a, like values that if you mirror back to them, how they're out of alignment with their own values, it does something like there's, there's something that men really love about, you know, a code and they're willing to look in certain kinds of hard mirrors. Um, if you help them, Um, and so I think that people's values can be a real ticket back to like a soul based life. Um, and I do see that in the work for sure, for sure. And I love that about men. I love that about men, even men that aren't living in accordance with their values. Uh, if you really reconnect them to that deep place inside, something will shift. It really does. Yeah. In a, in a major way. And I, and I think like to coincide with that is, is yeah, we call it soul, you call it your heart, but you know, the mind is always going to have that resistance to not wanting to step out of the bubble or whatever you're in. Right. It's always going to be a a pretty hard no from the mind, but it's the heart that doesn't lie. And then when that heart is, is, is really beating with, with the barometer, which, and, you know, I, I find to be the most accurate is excitement. 
and feeling that excitement, feeling that passion, when you can follow that, that takes you into some pretty, you know, unknown places, but it takes you into the places in which you need to experience to grow, to evolve, to expand yourself. So yeah, I would say that, 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 that those, that sort of mixed together of values and following the heart and, and all of that is, is really the cocktail to living a more authentic soul aligned life. Totally. I guess I, I just want to say, let's, let's also be clear that it's not always like the, the rainbow road following your heart no. will get you into a lot of trouble, but you usually, <laughs> if, if you stay with it, you can alchemize and it turns the, the adversity turns into the path and it was the right recipe to get into that kind of trouble. Mm, thank you for sharing that. And I think that's a extremely important note because I, I, I don't want to ever be on in any conversation and have to pretend that this is all sunshine and rainbows because there is a deep shadow work that's involved when you do decide to walk this path and, but allow, and you said you're into just, just salt, right. And yeah, like getting sure. into that sort of shadow work mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. yeah, powerful work and something that I think is, uh, well, it's necessary for all of us in order to find that true light that's within us. Yeah, big time, big time. In Gestalt, one of the core principles is disturbing someone's homeostasis. Like the, their normal paths of what they would do or think or feel or say, uh, that there's something happens when you disrupt habitual patterns of like thinking, feeling, speaking. And uh, it's a good principle to live by, to disrupt your own homeostasis. Like it'll, it'll, take, your, it'll take you into more of a growth zone as your baseline. Which is, that, well, what we all came for, right? Totally, man. Totally. This earth school. <laughs> <laughs> well, decide to sign up. Well, if I'm going to sign up, then I might as well just go all in. That's what it feels like. It's like, all right, well, fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> totally, man. Totally. The stakes feel really high right now. They honestly really do. I, th I think that um, I really put out a sincere prayer request that there there is a type of urgency to to reclaim like a radically uh, wise and calm and rooted place inside of us um, the way that the world is amping up is kind of antithetical to those sorts of things we're going to have to fight a lot harder for our centers um, and for our connection moving on there's a lot of inertia in the disconnection mode um, and so prioritizing connection um, whatever that means to you might be a bit of an antidote, um, like real sincere connection that's felt bodily. Um, I think about that a lot when I'm, when I'm trying to understand how to, you know, cut through the malaise of the, of the modern day, like, Oh, like what's the most sincere way I can get connected right now to myself or to this planet or to someone else. Um, and usually that's grounding and sobering and clarifying. Yep. And, and, just hearing those words, you know, like what you just stated is very accurate. And, and I feel the call from the mother, from the feminine that has been very apparent, mm -hmm. um, which was many, well, I'd say the main reason of starting this podcast and having these conversations was that nice. call saying, this is time there. We can't wait any longer. We need to, we need to reconnect the souls of men and, and come back to this place of, of, of wholeness and whatever that means, but you know, within ourselves and with the planet and because it's just, it's gone too far. It's gone too far. Big time. I want to throw out a suggestion for anybody that maybe 
there's a lot of things that people could do, but I'm a fan of this one. It's, it's flawed in its own ways. But if you're looking for something to kind of aim at all of this, see if you can get a group to get together of people that men that are willing to do this in your friend circle, but read a book together. Like I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like read a book together, go a chapter every two weeks and meet for a couple of hours, check in a couple of minutes each. How you doing? What's going on with you? And then talk about the book, talk about your men are always going to want to talk about their philosophies and their ideas. And so, you know, let that take half the conversation, but then make it personal and commit to doing that. That 50% of the time you need to be connecting what's in the book to you and your life, um, to your story, to your patterns, to your past, to your present, to your future. So partly philosophical, partly personal, 50-50 split. And, and do that for, you know, it'll take you, what, two and a half months to get through a book, three months to get through a book at the most. And usually what happens through that time and like you said, men are always the weirdest at the beginning. <laughs> you know, they come in and I think that there's something about having a little bit of structure that does something for men. So having a book as your structure, especially if it's a meaningful one, like Iron John or you know, Traver's book, Men Uncivilized, or, um, you know, you can, you can pick a, a Martin Shaw book or um, Smoke Hole or something like that. And just a basic book to take you into these realms one, you'll get to know each other by hearing the ways that you each piece together reality. Two, you'll really get to know each other personally from talking from your own biographies. And by the end of that book, you might know each other well enough and have enough depth facilitated by the book itself and by the structure of a circle that you don't need a book after that, that you get together and you just rap about life from your philosophical side and you also share from your personal side. Um, but I think that that's a great tuning fork. It sets a really good tone in a group of people, um, and have one person that's responsible for making it happen, uh, every two weeks or something. I've seen that really, really change a lot of people's lives. So I'd love to see a revival of, of something like that in this country or globally. I really love the simplicity of that. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a revolutionizing it is a revolutionizing act but it's not a a statement or an idea that it's gonna whoa, whoa what are you even talking about reading a book it's simple as that and the yeah. power in that and and i really appreciate you bringing it back to the sort of place of practicality and really giving everybody who is listening to that and in fact i'm even going to take that advice and, and implement that into the group that i'm i'm facilitating and leading so i mean awesome. i just i love that idea so um, absolutely. And one book that came to mind, I don't know if you've read it, but, uh, something that has been important in my own growth and, and evolution has been the hidden spirituality of men. Have you read that book? No, it's a great book. No, it's a great, great book. Um, highly recommend it. And, uh, yeah, it's been really impactful speaking about the different archetypes of men from, from, from a nature based perspective. And so if, Again, you mentioned some great books as well. So, I mean, there's many to choose from, but that's one that I wanted to throw out there. Love it, man. And who knows, eventually maybe you show up and you just like read each other your poetry that you've written or, you know, like who knows what the group becomes. But I think that there, there's a richness in that. There's a richness in like the, 
the depth and the terrain that, that a really rich book will make you explore rich terrain together. Um, and, uh, yeah, and some magic will start to happen. That's, that's hard to describe. I love that. I really do. And I appreciate you sharing, um, so openly, uh, today in this conversation and just being super real and, and, uh, yeah, practical as well. So yeah. Is there anything else that, um, if you're tuning into your own heart, something, you know, based on what we spoke to today or anything else, what, anything else that you want to relay to the listeners that you feel that's pertinent and alive right now? Oh, just, just that, like really follow, follow the call, like follow that thing in you that you know needs to be nourished and like, don't stop until you find the food that really satiates your deep self. Um, on other notes, I don't know, I've got a workshop coming up in August. I don't know if this will get out in time for that in Colorado last weekend. Um, and also just like spend a lot more time in the wild, like with other people and, and by yourself. Even if that's just taking a walk, you know, three or four times a week. I think the world could use a lot more strolling men. Strolling men. There you go. We'll, we'll leave it at that because I do feel the, um, the the depth of that, of just being able to be alone in solitude in the wild into the wilderness. And it can be at a beautiful park. It could be, you know, a short hike around yeah, your house, whatever. But big fan of... Uh, Going to walk before sunrise or Perfect. In the middle of the night. There you go. All kinds of stuff will come clear to you. All kinds of things will mm. speak to you. And it, it does something to you. Another thing that uh, brought in from full circle here from your friend and uh, from Darren, we were talking about nature sits and just sitting mm. for 20 minutes, you know, in a spot every day and just finding oh, that, that tree or finding that bush or whatever it is just to kind of sit by it and, mm -hmm. and make a connection with it as well. Big time. So yeah. It's been a pleasure, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, for it's been me. an honor. And um I will get this out before your workshop. So um where can people go and find your work and uh check in with that and everything else you're doing? Sure. Uh I've got a website, um, michaelgaycounseling.com, and that has my individual work, my private practice information, a bunch of podcasts I've done in the past. And then um if you go over to uh Man Uncivilized dot com there's a the initiation that's the workshop that's coming up at the end of the month here if you want to get involved in colorado just south of denver it's going to be men phenomenal. uncivilized you're working with horses and man uncivilized yeah traver Bull. beautiful well, I urge everybody to go and check out the rest of Michael's work. I mean, we barely scratched the surface today and obviously had, you know, the time that we had was important. And, and I think we uh, really spoke to some pretty incredible things. And I'm really happy for, yeah, just this conversation and you. And thanks for all the work that you're doing, brother. You bet. Thanks, Christopher. It's an honor.